Welcome. This is Beyond the Hate. I'm Steve. I'm John. And today we're talking about the most Miller-sponsored movie that we've covered on this uh, <laughs> podcast. Right. And also the movie that your grandmother will love because of a check for 69 cents gets written in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> also, just the... Uh, like they could have probably done the budget with this just from like the money they got from Kalua. And yes, from the White Miller. Russia, <laughs> right? The yeah, from the White Russians, which we do have, and we will drink during the episode. We've got I brought White Russians. Yes, we're gonna save that, and we will Caucasians. let you know when we start drinking it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you want me to go ahead and go over the beer first? Yes. What are we drinking today, John? So this is uh, a brand that I've started to like now that I've had two of them. This is Innocent Gun. Uh, brewing company. This is uh, from Edinburgh, Scotland. Now, this is a special edition Innocent Gun because this is a St. Patrick's Day type tribute. It is... Because yeah, uh, this is the day before St. Patty's Day. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's going to be able to listen to this when St. Patrick's is out. So, this is a... Uh, it's a barrel-aged stout that is aged in Irish whiskey barrels. Ooh. <laughs> whiskey, whiskey barrel staves. Yeah, and uh, it's what does it say? It says uh, create a flavor packed beer with notes of dark chocolate and coffee, alongside hints of vanilla and oak. <laughs> and it is fucking magical. It's six point one percent alcohol. Six point one percent. Yes. So if you're if you're at a liquor store, or a package store, and you see Innocent Gun beer, just buy it because all the ones I've tried so far have been amazing. And this one, considering that it was made in the whiskey barrels, is fucking awesome tasting. Yes, it is great. So we're giving this an obvious three out of three stars. Three out of three. Um, so, and let's not forget, I mean, this movie was made in 1998. 98. We're still in our uh, 90s kick here. Yeah, 1998. We're in our 90s kick. It wasn't a planned 90s thing, but we we're kind of like... We're kind of in a theme. Yeah. Let's just roll with Even it. Even going back to Mortal Kombat, because Mortal Kombat was in the 90s, and then we did Ace Ventura, now yeah. we're doing Big Lebowski. All this stuff is from the 90s, so yeah, we're just March is just kind of like 90s month, and then Mortal Kombat's kind of a bonus. Because <laughs> yes. that was right before this month, you know? So, yeah. But Big Lebowski, uh, since it was my turn to uh, pick the movie for this week, I just kept thinking, I was like, you know, Big Lebowski is one of those movies that, like, I, I don't remember how well it did in the box office, but I don't think it did well in the box office. Yeah, it, it, it made, like, um, $28 million in the U.S., like $46 million worldwide. Um, so how much was the budget? The budget of the film was $15 million, so it made money. It made like $30 million. It made money. It, it probably didn't make what they thought it was going to make at the time. Now, it is considered like a cult classic, and it sells all kinds of merchandise. It does really good on like Blu-ray releases and DVD. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure like if we could look up the accurate sales of their, their, their you know, merchandise and how much you know spencers and hot topics and shit like that sells yeah the big lebowski type like the stuff. funko bobbleheads because i've seen the bobbleheads yeah of like the dude and walter i mean jeff bridges was amazing in this movie but let's not forget walter john goodman is fucking amazing i mean he calls <laughs> saddam hussein 
a camel fucker. Right. <laughs> oh, man. Back in a time in the 90s when you could actually say shit like that and people wouldn't get up in arms about it. And that's like, because yeah, nowadays everybody would be like, that's racist. You can't say it. Or like, they wouldn't know it would be racist because it's like, it's like insensitive against like Islamic people. It would be like, something like that. Saddam was a dictator that killed his own people. Yeah, you can call him a camel fucker. Right. And yeah. if anybody has a problem with us calling Saddam Hussein a camel fucker, <laughs> right. that'd be like the same people would be like, hey, you can't talk bad about Hitler. That's mean. It's like, no, fuck you. He killed like 10 million people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Six million of them Jews. Yeah. So, so fuck that guy. Yeah. Fuck that guy. I can say whatever I want about him. Yeah. You could be like, yeah. It's He's like, not going to sue Hitler me for like slander. Had a, had a thing for like fucking goats in the ass. It's like, that's really like insensitive. It's like, it's Hitler. It's Hitler. I can fuck? make up shit about him and no one should even question it. It's right. like literally every Jewish person ever in existence should be able to just make up shit about Hitler and put it in actual historical documents. Right. That should be like the payback. Right. You know, for the third Reich or whatever, that should be the payback. Like you just make up anything that you want to about Nazis and put it in like historical documents for the future. Yeah. It'll There's your like payback. A- so it's like, Oh, Nazis. Not a lot of people know this, but they all had really, really tiny penises. <laughs> It's like a fun fact is, you know, that Joseph Mengele liked to fuck monkeys. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like you could just you could just say shit like that. It's, it's like, like it's, it's history. A, yeah, it's history. It's history. Look it up. Look it up. And it's like, oh, shit, it's, it's fucking there. Yeah. <laughs> Joseph Mengele apparently liked to fuck monkeys. He fucked monkeys. And <laughs> then like his, you know, his unresting spirit is like, shit, I was <laughs> definitely on the wrong side of this. <laughs> you're on the wrong side of history if you're on the nazi side <laughs> and that's how you pay these fuckers back right you say whatever you want to yeah so if you hear the phrase camel fucker in reference to saddam hussein know that it comes from a good place <laughs> you know a no disrespects to camels because in hell saddam is getting fucked by camels so yeah take solace in that yeah while smoking a camel cigarette yep yeah <laughs> does camel still make cigarettes camel does still make cigarettes yeah um killing people since 1931 19 question marks i don't, I don't know i don't, I don't know, know camel cigarettes i don't started. know the invention of shitty cigarettes <laughs> or any cigarette at I all i don't smoke so i don't know but uh yeah <laughs> the only thing we smoke is homemade meth not <laughs> <laughs> we do not do that no either. the only thing that we smoke is delicious delicious brisket yes it yes. is so good yeah you're gonna smoke something smoke that yeah <laughs> if you could figure out they should oh, do that like instead of doing those things where it's like you know never meth never once you know like those like commercials or whatever you're gonna it's smoke like, something it's like smoke if you're a- gonna smoke something smoke a brisket like a man <laughs> <laughs> smoke a brisket like a man they should get like uh the uncle rob dude to do that uh, it's yeah. like here's how you smoke meth <laughs> and it was like the first thing you do is is take a pipe then pour, put it in a bucket and pour some gasoline on it. And blow that shit up. And blow it up and smoke the, a brisket like a man. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, uh, we've learned how to like listen to Luke Bryan CDs. Yeah, you know, the dude's like, so informative. He has a lot of information. Look him up on YouTube. It's hilarious. So John Goodman said about this movie, this was like his favorite movie that he's ever been in. And I can believe that because... 
I think the reason Walter works so good is because John Goodman just fucking had all kinds of fun with his character. He embodied that shit. That shit's hilarious yeah. about how much he talks about Vietnam. Walter Walter is like my spirit animal. Like he, is. <laughs> he definitely is. If you <laughs> and this is another John. So you know yeah. it's almost like, okay, you should like throw away like some of the like zodiac signs and just make John Goodman one. Right. <laughs> like it's like what the Fuck Sagittarius. Fuck Sagittarius. So we just goat. call it John Goodman. Just get rid of yeah, just, just put get John rid of Goodman. The goat. And it then be his own it, constellation. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Goodman. there's some fucking stars out there that look like John Goodman if you look at it hard enough. Oh, yeah, probably. If you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that looks like John Goodman. It's like looking at clouds. You know, you want to see a dick, you'll see a dick eventually. Yeah. Ooh, a dragon. No, it's just a really long fucking cloud. Yeah, it's a cloud. (laughs) Why are we analyzing clouds? Yeah, stuff like that is just... It's. I've never understood why people do stuff like that. They're like... Where they do like the dream interpretation stuff, too. The dream interpretation stuff, I will say, is interesting. Uh, because dreams are weird, right? You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, especially whenever you, you hear like scientists say like, we really shouldn't dream. Like that shouldn't be a thing that we do because right. like a lot of people say dogs don't dream, but I know for a fact they do. Right. You know, cause you'll uh, see, you'll see like, uh, dogs, like if they're in the midst of a dream and they're like, say they're running away from something in their dream, they will wake up and start running in real life. Yeah, so because it like spooks them awake and their are their legs are already moving like they're running. And how would you prove if they're dreaming or not? I feel like they are because I have, you know, I've owned, I've owned multiple dogs, but one of the dogs that I've owned the longest, which is Diamond, my little Jack Russell, Diamond Dan. Yeah, Diamond Ann. She um all my dogs have full names and all my dogs are always female. Uh, right. So, um, yeah, she dreams all the time, like all the time. And it's not even a question. I know she is. Yeah, I mean, they could probably uh, put them in like an MRI machine because MRIs can tell when human beings dream. Yeah, because their brain motions, their brain their activity activities. and stuff. You could probably do that for a dog and then see how a dog's brain is, you know, firing off and doing stuff during a dream. But anyway, but back to John Goodman. <laughs> back to John Goodman. He's doing great. Also, the dude's income. Right. Do you know how he 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 gets his money? So from like from like rewatching it again, it was like I know that he was a musician. So I'm thinking he gets like he gets like royalty checks from his music or like what he did in music. No. Oh, is that not what it is? Because he, he tells Maude that he was like uh, he was like in a band or something. He did music for a while. In the early draft of the script, the dude's source of income was was revealed. It's not revealed in this movie. Oh, okay. but he was an. He was the heir to the inventor of the Rubik's Cube. Oh. And that's how he paid his rent. Oh, okay. He did not work. Uh, and he got... Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? He got royalty checks from the sales of Rubik's Cubes. Rubik's Cubes, okay. So that's kind of And hilarious. then making checks for 69 cents for some milk. That yeah. is also hilarious. Yeah. And that's... when the fuck was milk 69 cents? Well, this movie takes place in when did uh, when did Saddam invade Kuwait? It was like ninety one. Was it? Yeah, 91? this movie was made in ninety eight, but yes. I think it but was. They tell earlier. you in the movie, like uh, the stranger Sam Elliott's stranger guy, tells you that the movie takes place during the early nineties, and you even yeah. see like when he's at the store and he's writing the checkout, you see 
you know, uh, Bush senior talking about Saddam mm-hmm. and that their aggression against Kuwait is not going to stand. And they even talk about how like this whole thing is like, you know, around oil and stuff in the movie. There's the kind of an undertone of all that. Saddam even shows up when, on the, one of the dude's dream sequences when he's like fucked up. <laughs> oh, you want to know something that's really funny. Have you ever watched the edited version of this movie? An edited Lebowski? I might have seen it like on like I don't know like TNT or TBS or something. So like a TV version. Walter's line, and we were talking about this. This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Right. This is what happens, Larry, when you fuck, fuck a, stranger a stranger in the, in the ass. ass. <laughs> so the clean version of that, made for TV, is this is what happens. When you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, God. That's how they edited that. Oh, my God. Like, that doesn't horrible. make any sense. Just, just put a blank there. Just, yeah, just have them say nothing. Just, just have, have them just silenced. go blank. Yeah. Because that doesn't make any sense. It's like, did this kid find a stranger in the Alps? Who, who came up with that to edit it? It'd be like e- editing an Eminem CD. Right. Just doesn't work. You might as well just have a blank Somebody's CD. Somebody's grandpa did that. Yeah. It's like, instead of fuck a stranger in the ass, this w- this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> because, you know, the Alps is hell. Right. Those guys are crazy. It's like, yeah, but that this doesn't even take place. This takes place in, like, California, man. This doesn't take place anywhere near that switzerland yeah like the swiss alps and stuff yeah that's <laughs> it's ridiculous but it's also hilarious it is pretty hilarious now like, i'm like i kind of want to see the 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 edited version to see how much more stupid shit they put in that right yeah. because there's a lot of cussing in this it oh, almost yeah. like beats scarface with the f word oh yeah and that's a, that's a comment we'll get to that yeah cool so, okay, let's get into the comments. I don't want to just like throw out just a bunch of random facts. I have some stuff I'm going to pepper in. Right, yeah. And we'll go with it. And then something I don't use. This is something we've kind of been doing the last few episodes. Anything I don't just naturally put in, I usually just talk about during the end of the episode. Speed round. At Speed the round. Yep. Maybe Ooh. even play some Master of Puppets and see how fast I can do it. Oh, wow. Yeah, seeing you do the uh, the facts would be interesting uh, to Master of Puppets. Because I've made John do the comments to Master of Puppets before. These were older episodes. So, I don't even know if you can listen to any of those uh, right now. I'd have to repost a lot of these, yeah. Yeah, but, but we used to do stuff like that uh, because we'd be like, okay, we're running a little short on time. Get through this comment to Master of Puppets by Metallica. Right. And then he, he, I he, would, he would generally do a pretty good job. It's hard, yeah. but he would generally do it, a pretty good job. It's hard to do it and not to laugh. Because it's hilarious. Because it's hilarious. It's ridiculous the setup of me saying this shit that fast to Master of Puppets, which has like one of the greatest intros yeah. in metal dun, that you can. It's yeah, like it it's really goes song. crazy, yeah, and it's like <laughs> it's like going off, and then you're you're just thinking to yourself like, okay, I have to read like an entire paragraph or two paragraphs at that speed to try and finish it before the vocals kick in. It's like shit. That's difficult. And not to laugh in the process. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway. So, the main thing ab- about this movie... Like, for like for one, this movie is like a cult classic. Because, I mean, there's even like the Lebowski Fest that they do for it now. 
Right. I don't know if you saw that when you were doing your notes. I know about the Lema- the Lebowski fest, fest but yes. I don't know if I was going to mention that in the episode. But okay. that's, that's that's very interesting. But that's one of the things like when you think about all the like the like franchises that have like conventions that you can go to, you know, like Star Wars has the Star Wars celebration. You know, uh, you have like the uh, they have the convention for the the Trek people that they do every year. Trekkies. Yeah, yeah like the, the the Trekkies, they have like the Star Trek conventions you go to every year. The great, you know? great Trekkies. And yeah. then the fucking unbearable Star Wars fans. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, and we are Star Wars fans and Star Trek fans, but God We're damn. not those kind of fans that are just salty Star about Star Trek everything. fans are really great. Yes. I will have to say that. Star Trek has better fans. Star Wars fans are just... They're little most of them are just miserable people. Whiny they're, bitches. They're little... They're the worst. They right. are the worst fans of anything. Right. You know, Star Trek fans are great, though. They're usually really positive and Yeah. Stuff. It might take them a while to get used to something, but usually Star Trek fans are very supportive of new ideas. I remember Star this Wars was fans like... Star not. <laughs> yeah, this is like the conversation of Chris Pine being Kirk whenever it came out. It's like, Chris Pine's Captain Kirk? And then they see in the trailer, that is a... Oh yeah, that's, that's a, a really great good idea. version. Of that's Kirk. a good version of Kirk. <laughs> They'll okay. be skeptical at first. Yeah. <laughs> it's that, I think that's one of the things because Star Trek is is way like science based, and yeah. it's like you will usually be skeptical until you're given evidence, and then you change your you know, you change your way of thinking based on it's the evidence. It's the logical given. thing to it's do. It's the logical way to do it. So usually Star Trek people they'll be skeptical about like new ship designs, new ideas, new characters, whatever. They'll give it a shot until they get used to it, and then they're like, "Okay, I like what they're doing with this." Now that's why like the um the new one, uh, Star Wars uh, fans are like, "It needs to be the original trilogy over and over and over and over and over again." Yeah, it's like no, not everything can be the original trilogy. Let that you need shit to go. shoot the film exactly the same as the first movie, right? But that's the thing, like, you know, you have all those different, like, fan bases that have conventions. It's like, there's actually, like, a little convention that's done for Big Lebowski. And everybody dresses up in yes. costumes. You see women dressed up as Maud. You see guys dressed up like the dude. Guys dressed up like Walter and Donnie. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. Uh- <laughs> that's an interesting thing. You know why that, do you know why he's always telling Donnie to shut the fuck up? Uh, no, I don't know why he does it. He's just being an asshole. Okay. So the, this is a Coen brothers inside joke. Oh, okay. So the reason Donnie is constantly being told, shut the fuck up by Walter is because Bashimi's character in Fargo is a fucking chatterbox. Oh, okay. So when the Coen brothers put Bashimi in this movie, they're like, anytime he tries to say something, he's going to be told to shut the fuck up. And he does, Walter hits him with that every time. It's like, and they thought it was funny because they're like, Steve Buscemi and Fargo had like the most lines out of anybody. Right. Because he wouldn't shut the fuck up. He always talked in Fargo. And if you've never seen Fargo, turn this off and kill yourself. I'm <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But. But watch the movie. Do the second part. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's a good movie if you don't know about it. If you know about the show, the movie's like twice as good. And the show's like an award-winning show. Right. You know, with like Colin Hanks the movie, and Billy Bob Thornton and stuff. The movie Fargo is considered like a classic now. Yeah, like just like this. The Coen brothers don't fuck around. Yeah. Well, they that's- did No Country for Old Men, which is also a classic. So you want to go ahead and talk about the Coens? We'll talk about them let's right now. Let's talk about the Coens. <laughs> Since then. we're on it. Since we're on it, let's do it. That's what in the business is called a segue, kids. <laughs> yes, it is. 
So I mean, the dude abides. Yeah, the dude does abide. Uh, so when going through this, I the amount of, of hate for the Coen brothers was shocking to me because wow. when you go through their, their discography, not discography, their filmography, and you look at like, you know, no country for old but men. But they do have discography. There was also rappers. Uh, oh, brother. Oh, brother. Where are they? <laughs> uh, I am the man. Right. Yeah. Constant sorrow. Um, so. Sorry about him, boys. Oh, 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 brother. Where art thou? Which you were just singing. Yes. Uh, no Country for Old Men, which a lot of people consider like kind of one a of classic the, now. Yeah. Um, one Fargo, of the greatest thrillers of all time. Uh, the Big Lebowski is considered like kind of like their their big comedy one. And you know, even and even other stuff like Intolerable Cruelty, like that movie is interesting. George Clooney again. George Clooney. With Catherine yeah. Zeta Jones. Catherine Zeta Jones. That was good. You know. So well, that I mean, cancer calls in pussy. <laughs> It's just one of my favorite things. Yeah, it's like it, any time that like I if I happen to have like a sore throat or I'm having something going on, like maybe it's tonsils or something, I'll be like I'll tell Steve like yeah my throat's not really that good right now I'm having an issue and then he'll be like like well that's what you get for eating Catherine Zeta Jones's pussy and it's like if only that was the reason I had that and not just because I was sick. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean <laughs> it would probably be a little offensive if her husband isn't the one that said it. Right, yeah. So he's the one that kind of opened that up. He was like, yeah, I, you know. It's like, I eat a lot of box, and yeah, I think so. it's actually used to give me oral cancer. Yeah, so like, I'm like, wow. well, I'm, I kind of feel like that joke's just open now. Right, you, like he public, put it out in the universe. It's public domain. He's the one that said it. That's Michael Douglas's problem. Yeah, that's Michael Douglas's shit. I can make fun of that because that he is... He put it out in the universe, so that's That is ridiculous. Game. Catherine Zeta-Jones is great. Yeah. I mean, he knows. He's been married to her for like 15 years or some shit like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, why would you not be married to her? But anyway, that's that a reminds great point. Me, that's a great point. Yeah, that's the other thing too. One <laughs> one movie that we might end up doing is the uh, Banderas Zorro. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because uh, Catherine Zeta is in that too. Zeta Zeta Jones, uh, Douglas. I don't, how do you how do you do that now? Catherine Zeta Jones Douglas. Is that what it is? Sure. <laughs> um. Don't ask me. She just she just has she just happens to have the super cooch that gives you oral cancer. It's yeah, that good. She doesn't. She's probably just a really great person. Keeps his ass in check. Make, yeah. Makes him keep working. Right. You know, great <laughs> Hank Pym. Yeah. I always kind of thought of their relationship as kind of like the relationship between like uh, Ed O'Neill and um, Sofia Vergara from uh, <laughs> Modern Family. From Modern Family because she's kind of like the, the younger, you know, the younger woman that's like beautiful and he's like kind of like the older guy and. That kind of stuff. Every time I see that couple on uh, on Modern Family, it's, it's very it reminds me of Catherine connected. Zeta and, and Douglas, Michael I Douglas. I think they connect because of their charismas. Like yeah. They both have great charismas, so it's, it's kind of attractive to each it other. It works. A, you know, the, I was about to reference, like, the age isn't nothing but a number thing, but that's R. Kelly and Aaliyah reference, and that that is that is pedophilia. Duh. Uh, but uh, that's still that's still the name of one of Aaliyah's albums, so I think it's fair game. Which, does involve which was Aaliyah. produced by R. Kelly. Was produced which was by like R. Kelly. Thirty something and banging a fifteen year old. So yeah. Well, anyway, we're gonna move on to the Coen Brothers. Uh, so because <laughs> we are not gonna get into R. Kelly. Because this is yeah, everything's up from there. Okay, let's get into the Coen Brothers then. <laughs> okay, so 
It says, the Coen brothers are not comic writers. Frankly, they are the definition of overrated. Writing mm-hmm. long, boring movies isn't being deep. It's writing long, boring movies. This film fails to entertain unless you are some uptight, overprivileged classist who has uh, never met real people and enjoying the mockery of the lower class. Or enjoy mockery of the lower, cla- lower class. Uh, there is a reason this bombed the and the box office in the beginning you see a resemblance uh, in the style of this movie and a lot of quentin tarantino's movies i don't know if the coen brothers are borrowing from tarantino or if it's the other way around but there seems to be plenty of uh resemblance uh, or i think they mean like plenty of things that look similar between this film and tarantino's films in general the best Coen Brothers movie that was made was Fargo, and maybe it was too good uh, because it was based on a true story. But for this, The Big Lebowski, it reeked of stupidity, but without comedy. It seemed to border on fantasy and an improbability. Certain movies you can sort of understand why they are cult classics. Other films, such as this one, seem to be funny and intelligent because someone said it was funny and intelligent, and therefore it must be. I suppose you could find deeper meaning in this, or perhaps the meaning was right there on the surface. But like many of the Coen's uh, films that I have watched, I either like them or I don't. The movies that I have liked usually have a strong story behind them, and the ones that I don't seem to be more of a day-in-the-life-of story about people who really don't seem to matter and events that no one really cares about. Maybe there is some type of amusement in trivial matters making bored college frat boys feel more intelligent than they really are, but I need something deeper for intellectual stimulation. Well, um, calling the Coens overrated is woo. That's taking a shot. That is <laughs> hilarious. That is very especially hilarious. also when you compare them to Quentin Tarantino, which basically anybody in the business would die to, you know, be in it, and it didn't bomb the box office. It actually still made money. Fifteen million dollar budget, forty three million dollar. Um, a bomb usually indicates that it lost money, or damn near lost money. Or there was even. some type of expectation over from what you. I don't think there was any expectation for this movie. There was no expectation. There was with just the like 50, it's the Cohen's new movie, and it's with, like oh, okay, cool. With a fifteen million dollar budget, the studio is basically telling you there's no box office expectation. We just want you to make this movie. Yeah, just and because we do. like the script, we like the cast you got. Because when you look at the cast, the cast is pretty good overall. I, I mean, mean, you could have ended it with Jeff Bridges. Right. But then you add John Goodman. Then you add Julian Moore. Julian Moore. And then you've got uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Philip Grant. Philip Seymour Hoffman. As the servant in this movie. The, the manservant that works for you know the Big Lebowski. And then you've got Tara Reed as Bunny. Tara Reed, which yeah. like <laughs> one of the things that we talked about after we watched it, I was like, I probably could have used a little bit more Tara Reed in this movie. It's like Cowbell. You need more Tara you, Reed. I, I felt like she could add a little bit more attitude to it, but I was just happy for what I got, really. Cause... But the thing, but yeah, I, th- I think maybe, yeah, you probably could have sh- like shown more of her like when she's supposed to be kidnapped, right? But ultimately but I obviously think, she was never kidnapped no she was just out she was just like riding. fuck this old piece of shit i'm gonna go out and yeah party and do what i want yeah so but that's the that's the fucked up thing is that like when she's supposed to be like kidnapped right 
it, it does kind of add to some of the mystery that you don't see here until you see her in the convertible going by and then you're like oh wait that's fucking bunny like she's she's actually just out doing whatever she wants to do she's not actually kidnapped what the fuck yeah but as far as the comment about the cohen brothers not being great or whatever um, overrated overrated best picture in 2008 uh no country for old men they right. won the best director 2008 no country for old men they won Best Original Screenplay, 1997, Fargo, they won. Uh, Best Adapted Screenplay, No Country for Old Men, they won. (laughs) Uh, They were nominated for Best Editing for Fargo and No Country for Old Men. They were nominated at the Golden Globes Award for Best Motion Picture for Fargo, O Brother, Where Art Thou, Burn After Reading, and Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, Best Motion Picture Drama, they was nominated for The Man Who Wasn't There and No Country for Old Men. Best Director, they was nominated for Fargo and No Country for Old Men. Right. Best Screenplay, they won No Country for Old Men. They was nominated for Fargo and The Man Who Wasn't There. Best Original Song was uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Uh, Didn't they get something else for the soundtrack to Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I don't know if I've got to that yet. Oh, okay. Um, Because I want to say they won something for, like, Best Original Soundtrack or something for that, but... uh, Best... They were nominated for three of their best films. They uh, won Best Director for Fargo... uh, 1997 for Fargo and 2008 for No Country for Old Men. That's two... That's two Oscars for a director right there. Yep. Um... Best Picture, Fargo, No Country for Old Men. They won both of those. They were nominated for Best Comedies for Burn After Reading and Hell Caesar. Uh, Best Director. Yeah, I mean, they they just win. They they basically win so much stuff. I don't see anything about that. They might have been nominated for the song, but I don't think they won it. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't see any references. The Man of Constant Sorrow. I'm a Man of Constant Sorrow. Yeah, but they they might have not won a Caddy Award, but they probably uh, won other awards. Yeah, because you have all all kinds. You have like the... uh, uh, it's like the, is it the, the Screen Actors Guild Awards and stuff like that. Yeah. So like you have a bunch of like different awards that aren't related to Oscars that people win other awards on. Oscars is kind of like the top one that everybody wants to be a part of, but not everybody can. Well, it's the Academy Awards. For some reason, the Academy Awards change people. Actually, it ruins a lot of people. Well, some people just work on films just strictly to win an Oscar so they can have that, you know, on their resume and put that shit on their trophy case. Mm -hmm. But you have other people that have, you know, been great actors that have never won Academy Awards. You know, it's like everybody wanted to say that, like, well, Halle Berry is a good actress, but she doesn't have an Academy Award. So how good she could she be? And then it's like then she finally wins one for Monsters Ball. And it's like, does that change anything that you that you feel about Halle Berry? Do you look at Halle Berry's work now and think like, well, because she won the Academy Award, I think she's a better actress now? It's like, no, she's always been a good actress. You've always thought she was good. Keanu Reeves has never won an Academy Award, and he's one of our favorite actors because he makes every role that he does interesting. You know, in yeah. some way. Keanu's never going to win an Academy Award, I don't think, unless he wins one for like John Wick 3 or something, but... You know, like he normally, he's not a guy that goes after Academy Awards. His career is not defined by that. Then you have other people that like, that's kind of their, their thing is that they win Academy Awards all the time. You know, 
So I, you know, I, I think like when it comes to like award winning and stuff like that, the Coens have definitely proved their resume. So to call them overrated, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You're just some yokel on the internet complaining on IMDb about, I don't understand what's such a big deal about the Coens. It's like, the Coens have had a great career. They almost every movie they've made has been amazing. That 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 statement, I've never watched anything of theirs and thought this movie was shit. That that statement will hold as much ground as someone saying, you know, Todd Phillips isn't good, or something like that. It'd be like, yeah, you, you can just stop talking now, right? <laughs> like at any point in time, you want to stop talking, you should. Yeah. If you're just saying things just to get a reaction, you should just not say anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people miss the whole saying, like. Remember, there was a saying back in our day: if you have, if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say anything at all. Shut the fuck up, Don. Right? <laughs> shut the fuck up, Don. You're right. But you know, I think like with the 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 Coens in particular is that like this person's like you know they 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 st- stole or borrowed some things from Tarantino, and it's like Tarantino has a very distinct style. We know that. You know, he does like to use uh, a lot of scenes that are nothing but soundtrack and just things going on, you know, th- with I no dialogue. The, I think the only Tarantino thing about this movie is the Coen brothers have equally as good taste in music. Soundtrack selection. As Tarantino. And yes. there's a lot of F words, which was, wasn't was an exclusive Tarantino thing. Yeah, um, yeah, the word fuck has been around way before Tarantino, Tarantino didn't invent the word fuck. He just says it a lot. Right. Uh, <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> Tarantino <laughs> didn't invent the word fuck, but he certainly uses it a lot. But just because the Coen brothers are really good at doing their soundtracks doesn't mean they took anything from Tarantino. That just means you have people that are just equally as good as uh, – making soundtracks right and the coen brothers were really great at this and they they um they've done it throughout their career like true grit is it's a really great uh soundtrack too the old brother where art thou soundtrack sold like you know like what several million yeah copies. it was a great cd like it was literally something you didn't even have to watch the movie to listen to yeah if you like you know old-timey like folk country music and like bluegrass type music and you're into that kind of stuff that's like that old-fashioned, like, you know, 1940s, 1950s era type, you know, country music. You know, like, my dad, you know, he's always been a big country music guy. He fucking bought that album and wore that shit out. Like, I, for a time there, I could probably have done every song from that CD, like, yeah. verbatim, because I heard it so much. He wore it. I mean, that shit was so used, it could have been called Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Oh, Lohan. Get your shit together. Get your shit together. We don't like making fun of you. Like, why? Get your shit together. We, we won't be able to do that anymore. Get in a Marvel movie. DC uh, doesn't count anymore. Right. It doesn't count anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just think that, like, if you're going to call the Coens overrated and you're going to say that they're ripping somebody like Tarantino off, it's like, look, Tarantino isn't the only guy who can have a clever soundtrack that fits the movie and has, like, you know, scenes that are just you know characters moving and no dialogue and stuff like that like, to me that'd be a statement like people saying like uh, uh james gunn ripped ripped tarantino off just yeah. because his soundtracks to the guardians of the galaxy are amazing yeah like people can have good taste uh and it's not really because because there's really no one but tarantino 
that can put surfer music in films and make it work. Right. Like he has his own thing. Like he'll literally throw some shit out there where it's like, Oh, is who the hell is this? And it's like, well, it's like the Ting Tings. And you're uh, like, yeah. who the fuck are the Ting Tings? Yeah, 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 it's like, what the fuck is the Ting Tings? And you're well, like, well, it's like the the five, six, the sevens, and eights, right? Yeah, five, when, six, seven, eights. You know, yeah, like when he found them, I can't remember exactly. He was in Japan, and he was I can't remember what he was doing in Japan. He was at an airport. He was at an airport, right? And he they went played. In, yeah, they were playing it on the overhead speaker. And he was like, I gotta have these fuckers in the movie. Yeah, because he heard it, and he was like, he was like, that's. Japanese women that are doing surf music, he was like, "Oh shit, I that is like my shit." Yeah, and because that's what they do. They're like four women that do surf music, and yeah, they're Japanese. And he, him, and the RZA uh, got them to come and be on the, the 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 in the movie, and that's that's awesome. Right, I thought that was a really cool idea to have them actually be in the tea house. Yeah, but that's that's the kind of stuff. It's like I think a lot of times when directing is not you know super complicated thing but not everybody can do it right like you know like some people can you know could probably be directors and other people just no way but i think the thing with like even if you you, if you take you know like some other people like the russo brothers that work in like the marvel movies and stuff like that you take the the wachowskis and and that kind of stuff the the wachowski sisters Basically, what what happens is is that if you if you become successful, and you are good, you are automatically going to draw comparisons to somebody else that was the standard bearer. And if right. you don't do something totally unique that blows everybody away, you automatically get thrown into a category. But to pe- say that the Coens are copying Tarantino, it's like, I mean, I've never thought that. No, and there's did a I. difference between because the Coen brothers basically they came around. Basically around the same time as Tarantino. Yeah, they're kind of out of the same generation. Yeah, so it's not like... Wh- like Robert would, Rodriguez and a lot of those guys What would they be the copying Tarantino for? And why would you be copying Tarantino? His style is so unique, it would just basically just be directorial suicide if you try to copy him. It's like, it's like trying to copy Kubrick. Yeah, it's like, okay, I'm going to make these really, really like deep RC movies and stuff. And it's just like, well, y- you can't really master the camera angles and you can't really master the realism of what he could do for his time. Right. Like if Kubrick was alive today and there were still sci-fi movies being made, he would be the James Cameron. Yes. Like James Cameron, I would compare to Kubrick just because Cameron can do so much with so little in a lot of times. You and know, he ter- can he can go small scale, large scale. Yeah, because people are like, oh, hey, Aviator, or not Aviator, uh, uh, Avatar costs like a, you know, the next ones that they're making, they gave them like a billion dollar budget to like do the next four or whatever. Right. And it's like, that's a huge budget. It's like, yeah, but you forget about the small budget shit he did, like uh, Terminator. The original Terminator. <laughs> You know, you know that that wasn't a big budget movie, but he made it look great, and he made it really, really fun to watch, and that's what movies are about. Because, like, uh, tomorrow we are going to go see Captain Marvel. Right. And one of our good friends, AJ, told <laughs> us he hated it, and uh, and everything Doesn't that like sound that. familiar? He it also does. hated the Last Jedi. And then he he did the episode right here with us, because uh, he loved it. And then because he got everything from our perspective. Yeah. But the thing about it is 
literally he sat there and he was like, it feels like a phase one Marvel film. And I was like, okay, I love all those. So you're not that's saying not anything bad knock. to me. That's like, not bad. Because you're talking about that's, that's like Iron Thor, Man. Iron Man, Captain, Captain America, America. The original, the original the, Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. With Norton Hulk, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I, I literally love all four of those movies. Like well, They're all great movies. 100%. So I'm like, okay. I like Ruffalo better than I do Ed Norton. But yeah, same here. It was but, a good movie for But Edward time. Norton did a pretty good job. And it had uh, Tim Roth in it. It had Tim Roth. Come Tim on, Roth man. was great as an abomination. Yeah. But... And then it's like, okay, so we get through, like, he's talking about, like, it does, it has a lot of plot holes in it or something like that. And I'm like, okay, I, I can't comment to that. I haven't seen the we movie. We haven't seen it. Maybe it does. How many times have we, have we seen people in comments say that a movie has a ton of plot holes and the only and, reason they didn't understand it was because they didn't pay attention to it. And we easily explain it away. And I know AJ yeah. is one of the more advanced movie watchers, so I don't know if he... You know, if it does, it might, it might, but I, I mean, we still have to watch it for ourselves. Yes. But another thing, another thing about that is, you know, how many times have we, we watched a movie and then we instantly know what's going on and then we instantly know that, no, this isn't a bad movie. This is, this is a good movie and people just don't understand it's it. It's kind of like the man is, man is still thing. People would, you know, they watch that and they're like, Oh well, Superman doesn't kill people. It's like, yeah, yes, he does. There's like hundreds of comic books where he does. Yeah, but it's only when he has to. Yeah, it's. I mean, Batman has the whole thing about like he he doesn't want to kill, but he Superman has, doesn't have that. Yeah, but, Batman has killed people, but he does. He 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 has a rule. Like he feels like he's the Superman doesn't have that, and Superman has killed people. And the thing, the thing about it is, you know, whenever they're like, well, you know, like, couldn't Superman just took Zod out of the city? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, because that's, like, super easy. It's like, hey, let me just take you out of the city. It's not like you're equally as powerful as me. It's like, hey, guys, take it outside, okay? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, so, you know, so Superman, like, takes Zod and, like, leads him out of the city? It's like... Yeah, because, you know, Zod's like a little weak-ass baby that, you know, yeah. is ready to go out of the city. He doesn't care about humans. He He's pushing Superman through most of his buildings if you fucking watch the movie. Right. And Superman's trying to push him back away from it if you watch the movie. Yes. But that's, that's the point. Like, a lot of people wouldn't notice those little things like that. Uh -huh. So with Captain Marvel, which is something that we're really excited to see... And it, it is also something that we, we feel like we alone are the only ones to defend as female-led, um, you know, uh, hero movies. Yeah, because we've covered quite a few. We've covered, you know, Mila Jovovich, you know, and yeah, we, we've, we've covered like a Kate Beckinsale in Underworld. And it almost seems like it always falls on us because no one else is doing it. Like right. any little small inconsistencies in female hero movies. And it gets nitpicked to death. It does. So, so we're, we never take any word for it. And, you know, like one of our closest friends, like said, and we're just, we're, we're kind of like, okay, challenge accepted. Yeah. And you guys will know the result of that challenge is if in a couple months we're like, okay, this is beyond the hate. And, and this is Captain Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, people didn't understand fuck all about this. So let's movie. explain it to you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think what we'll do is we'll go ahead and take a break here, and we're going to get into these white Russians. Yes, we are. So, <laughs> all right.
And we are back. And, of course, that is from the movie of The Big Lebowski, the Spanish version of Hotel California. Yeah. Which is the better version. Yeah, I like that version better than the oh, Eagles version. Way, way, right. way better. <laughs> like, there's way more emotion in the Spanish version of Hotel California than there ever was in the Eagles version. Yeah. Because if you know any fact about this movie and The Big Lebowski, or not The Big Lebowski because that's the rich dickhead, the dude. <laughs> the fucking Eagles suck. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fucking hate the Eagles, man. I fucking hate the Eagles, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, since uh, the movie is about uh, uh, Mr. Jeffrey Lebowski, the dude. The dude. The dude. Or and also, El Duderino, don't you think this is what um, the writers of Dudes Where's, Where's My Car came up with the script for Dude Where's My Car? Maybe. <laughs> because there, there, there's just some references in it that makes me think that the person that wrote Dude, Where's My Car? Was, was a big fan of Big Lebowski? Yes. Okay. Maybe. I could, yeah. Because there's the, even a line um, in the movie where it's like, Dude, where's your car? That was, that was right, one yeah. of them. But, like, you know, they're, they're potheads when, also. And, when, and then a bunch of crazy random shit happens which is basically this whole movie right yeah <laughs> this movie is an exercise in like just you know sometimes you just need to realize that you have gone too deep and you need to get the fuck out yes. while you still have what you have you know don't just keep pushing on because sometimes you're gonna fuck things up worse but yeah <laughs> all he wanted was this fucking rug back man <laughs> it really tied the room together it really tied the room together <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was a good rug um, but anyway, so, um, we'll, what we'll, what we'll talk about with this. And since we've, we've broken out the white Russians now, which is uh, fucking delicious. We get a white Russian man, a Caucasian, uh, white Russian man, All right. <laughs> Vladimir Putin. Yeah. <laughs> Putin ain't this delicious. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but it, one of the things that I was going through the notes is how people people don't think that this is a comedy, which is weird. So I'll get into it because <laughs> I can see the brow on Steve's forehead just furrowing. So it says, I frankly do not understand why the Big Lebowski has been elevated to the point of being considered one of the best cult classics of all time. Why this cult around this character of the why is there this cult around the character of the dude? One of the blandest, flavorless, most uninteresting comedy protagonists ever to be on on celluloid. He's simply some dopey hippie who loves to hang out around a, uh, uh, this John Goodman cardboard cutout Vietnam vet gone crazy. Real vets should raise their fists in anger over such an overdone, unfunny, disrespectful, and insulting characterization. Uh, and a seldomly seen Steve Buscemi, who doesn't really do much. Uh, I don't find a guy walking around with a mixed drink all the time funny. I don't uh, find Dan Connor overreaching as a guy who is a Vietnam vet freaking out about everything funny, particularly because that's been done before. What's funny? Dennis Miller. He's funny. George Carlin. He's funny. The Big Lebowski? Eh, funny. For my comedy, I don't need slapstick or pie-in-the-face humor to make me laugh. Cynicism, witty dialogue, sarcasm commentary and so on not one line random events 
that happen out of nowhere with no real context and are expected to be funny. Jeff Bridges is not a comedian nor funny and is insolent in his satire. He's just another terrible actor riding his parents' coattails. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> that's, so that's fired my, right my there. first question about this is when has what John Goodman done as Walter been done before? Do you answer that question or have a reference? They don't say about, when that was. But usually when somebody has something and they actually think they're making a point, they'll be like, like this character in such and such movie. So he said, Walter's been done before 1998. But has no reference as no to reference what point. they might have seen that so. they feel like this is ripping off. So if you're writing, let's say, an essay or some type of scientific journal, and you're, you're saying like, hey, you know, stars don't exist because I just say they don't. They don't. <laughs> That's basically what you're saying here. It's like, yeah, I mean, That's this, not Wal- this Walter character has been done before because I said it's been done before. But you have no reference. I can't think of anything that is exactly like Walter. No. Now, have you had have have you had characters in movies that were in Vietnam that have went crazy? One I can immediately think of is Universal Soldier, you know, Sergeant Andrew Scott with uh, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren, but he went insane when he was still in Nam. He was still but in But he Nam. actually cut people's ears off and was like a psychopath. That's not what Walter did. Walter is not exactly a psychopath. He just he has a little bit of a hair trigger for his anger. He has PTSD. Yeah, he has some level of PTSD. We we can pretty much tell that. Yes. But he's also the same guy that basically dog sits for his ex because it's a show dog with papers. It's like if he was a totally just psychopath crazy guy that could kill anybody at any time, he wouldn't be taking care of his ex-wife's dog, you know? Yeah, like five years ago, actually. Yeah, like they've been divorced or whatever for like, yeah, five years and he's still watching her dog. Is he's like, it's a show dog. It has papers. You know, it's like, you can't put the show dog in just like a kennel. You know, it's like. Yeah, he's still pretty much saying he's Jewish, even though he's not married to her. Yeah, because dude anymore. even brings it up. He was like, you, you've been divorced for her for like five years, man. He's and he like, was like, you don't that doesn't be- make me Jewish anymore. <laughs> he was like, but you got into it because of her, you know, and it's like. You know, the thing about like Walter's character in particular is that. You know, he's one of those characters that, like, you know how, like, the rug ties the room together? Walter kind of makes this movie, like, work because he's that, he's like that devil on the shoulder that's constantly pushing dude to do shit that even though he, he maybe he feels right. like it's a bad idea, but it's like, a, a lot of this movie wouldn't happen if it isn't for Walter. Like, but, to me, you, you, you know, they want to compare it to, like, Tarantino or something, but I'd actually close... It is a comedy because I would compare it the most to Clerks. Uh, yeah, I could see that too. Because I think the relationship that the dude in Walter has is the same exact relationship Randall and uh, Dante. Dante have. I could see that a little bit. You know, Randall's kind of like the devil on the shoulder. Fuck he's it. The, he's the he's the over a top. He's the over the top. Fuck it guy. Yeah. Which what Walter is, and then dude, which is Dante. the Dante character, is kind of like the 
doesn't want to create trouble, the, uh, doesn't want to have problems. But he's always in a trouble situation. Right, and he doesn't know how to deal with it. Exactly. So Randall's always kind of pushing him into it. That's Yeah, I, I could see that. You know, now that you say that, I'm like, that that comparison makes That's sense. That's close resemblance. And guess what Kevin Smith is? He is a comedy writer and director. Right. So the Coen brothers can do comedy. Oh, Brother War Art, though, is basically a comedy. But just, just because they can do No Country for Old Men... Which gave the world Javier Bardem. Yeah, uh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> uh, Skyfall much? Uh, yeah. But, you know, it takes great people to, to, you know, whoever wrote this comment isn't a great person. And you, you don't have to be to have your opinion about a movie or anything. But what you do have to have is... Uh, is you have to have something solid to talk about it. You can't just be like, oh, the Walter character's been done before. You remember Apocalypse Now? I mean, come on. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. There's no character like that in that movie, and I don't know any movie before 1998 that had a character like that. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, a lot of times what happens is, is that people – a lot of times, maybe they might think that a character is done in a certain way because it's a caricature or it's playing off something that's been done before. And it could be that maybe maybe that character feels so familiar because it's, a, it's somebody that you can imagine being in real life. So you think that you've seen that somewhere before, but in reality, you might not have. And that just means that in, in this case, John Goodman did such a good job with that character that you feel like, oh shit, like I think I know somebody like that. Or yeah. I might have seen a movie that was like that. You know, and it's just because like he does such a good job of making it believable. You know, like for the people that wanted to talk shit about like the dude being a terrible main character because he's like this bland hippie guy. It's like the thing is with the dude is that the the thing that makes him interesting is that he is trying to be chill. Like, even when he gets the new rug and he's, like, doing, like, Tai Chi, like, in his living room and stuff. And he, like, literally, he's, like, taking a bath and he's listening to, like, tapes of, like, whales singing because it relaxes him. He's a dude that's trying to be chill and everything around him is not chill. The dude abides. <laughs> the dude abides. And it's, like, it, it's sort of like, you know, him and Walter are kind of like the yin-yang. Like, they're the opposites. They are. You know? That, that, that's kind that's of the point. That's what makes the movie work is that they're kind of like this weird duo of people but dude also has like other shit going on too because he has to deal with you know the rich lebowski he's dealing with maude who is a totally different situation and we'll get into she, some of those characters here she's crazy but really hot and she gets naked multiple times right yeah Anytime it's like you get you to see get... julianne Moore like naked so it's like hey cool you know yeah <laughs> you know i'm down for that it's hot as the chick was that was naked that was bouncing on the little thing on the trampoline yeah the, or the much sheets. rather see julianne Moore. Right, yeah, it's like, look, you know, Treehorn's party, that was pretty cool. That was pretty hot. We want more Julian Moore. <laughs> Julian Moore. We want more. We, we want, want more. more. Yeah. Hot redhead, you got me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like anytime you say Bryce Dallas Howard, you're like, down for that? <laughs> down for that. Anything you want to do. Right. <laughs> but, um,. But I think that the thing about the dude that I think the reason why people 
And there's even like, because there's even like this thing now that's called dudism, right? There is a religion. There around. is a religion called dudism. I happen to know this because I saw like a little special about like the the Lebowski Fest, and they talked about this. And it's like it's like people, it's like the dude is he, because he is kind of like a, he is like. He's that 60s hippie that just, like, once he got into the 90s, he just never gave up on that. He always wanted to be a 60s type of hippie. And now that he's older and he's, like, on in his life, the only thing that really kind of brings him and Walter and Donnie and, you know, and uh, what's the other dude's name that he pulls the gun on? Uh, shit. What's his name? Smokey. Smokey. Uh, that's, like, the, the other guy on their bowling team. The thing that brings all those guys together is the bowling ordinarily uh donnie and walter and dude and Smokey probably never would have met each other had it not been for the bowling that's the thing that brings them together you don't actually get to see the dude bowl in this movie at all which is weird yeah because like when you go back and watch it it's like you get to see you see donnie bowling you, you get see to walter see walter ball, bowling you jesus. see the jesus the you're about Jesus. to get fucked in the ass by the Jesus. There is a lot of references to being fucked in the ass. Yeah, in the, the Coens wrote this. They had they were like on a sodomy thing. For yeah, real. they were like there. Someone is gonna get fucked in the ass, and they, they probably <laughs> even wrote something about someone getting fucked in the ass. And that's a little much. Yeah, you Joel was probably like eating that. That's a little too much, man. We're, right. we're, we're gonna take that part. No one's gonna get fucked in the ass. In the, but we say it like a million times. It's just a joke, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know the the Jesus does it because he's it's a psychological thing. He's trying to mess with them mentally. And he's a sex offender. <laughs> right, he's a sex offender. <laughs> eight year old kids, dude. You know, or what did he say? Wasn't it like eight year old kids? Eight year old he exposed kid, himself yeah. to eight year old kids, and he had to go door to door because he was like uh, he was a registered sex offender, and he had to announce himself to the neighborhood so they know. Jesus Christ! You about to get fucked in the ass by the Jesus. But the Jesus, uh, but it, it, and and Jesus, he's a he's a fucking crazy character, Jesus uh, Jesus Quintana. Yeah. But like, and that's the thing. Like, I even said this to Steve before we started recording. I was like, people always lose their mind when you have somebody playing a character that isn't actually that race or that way or whatever. Totoro can take a character like Jesus uh, Quintana and play that character and be a Hispanic guy. Even though he's an Italian, and nobody says shit about that. Pacino, fucking like Italian dude playing Cubans. a Cuban guy in Scarface. Nobody says shit. Everybody's like, "Oh, fucking love Pacino in Scarface. It's awesome." But you know, you can have somebody like Scarlett Johansson trying to be the major in Ghost in the Shell, like, and everybody fuck loses their Scarlett fucking Johansson. mind. Everybody loses their mind because they're like, "She's not Japanese." You know, it's like everybody talks shit about Emma Stone and that uh, Aloha, whatever it was. I forgot the name of that movie. Uh, I think it was Aloha. Was it yeah. called? It was called Aloha, right? And she's supposed to be like half Hawaiian and she's like half white or something. I think, right? And yeah, then, but the thing about people that I forget is like she's supposed to be half Hawaiian. I was like, have you ever seen that chick? She actually does look white. Right. <laughs> like, like you actually look up a picture, but but God forbid. You know, you guys just chill out. You know, we'll we'll do the research for you. But the chick was half Hawaiian. But the thing about half Hawaiian people, a lot of the times they end up looking white. I dated a full Hawaiian person, and they were one hundred percent white looking. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Keanu Reeves. I mean he's got he's got Hawaiian ancestry in him. He was born in Hawaii. Yeah. So so. 
What does he look like? Does looks he like look like a white dude? Does he look, you know, Samoan? Samoan or any of Tongan the other Tongan or, or anything or, like you that? Know, if, if, like he's from Fiji or any of the no. any of those islands? It's like so. What I'd Polynesian. call that is racism. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I'm not saying anybody should take roles away from anybody, but actors can act. Right. Yeah. It's a thing that actors do called acting. So if you have a problem about someone stealing apart from someone else. Tell someone else to act a little better. Yeah, do a you know better, do a better casting call. You know because to me the only way as much as I, I I would love to see Idris Elba play a spy character in a movie, he would be at best used as a Bond villain. Yeah, unless you're gonna have Idris Elba go whiteface. <laughs> oh God, which is extremely offensive because he's a beautiful man right <laughs> um just show the idris elba just yeah. show him he can't play bond he can't be bond because he's not bond he doesn't fit the backstory you can play a villain of bond or he can play his own spy character if you want he could be another double o agent you can make him a different double o agent i mean bond does have to team up with other double o's sometimes on missions and it would be really really badass to see somebody like a cumberbatch and an idris elba teaming up together to take down an awesome villain or something right in the bond movies but the thing about it is bond is you know you know he's he's scottish He's traditionally Scottish. Well, yeah. I mean, he's... Well, Bond is... He's, his uh, uh, father is Scottish and his, his mother is Swiss. Swiss, yeah. But he's born in Scotland. Yeah. Because that's where, you know, Sky Skyfall Falls. is. Yeah. If so you go it's by a really the hard Craig story continuity. to tell. Yeah, so it's a really hard story to tell. But there's a lot more other stories to tell as Idris Elba as the main character. And those, those are the ones I want to see. I don't want to see... You know, it was, it's kind of like Michelle Rodriguez got that backlash whenever she was like, you know, everyone should play their own character. Um, like, like she was saying, like, because they were asking her, like, if she was going to play some other character. And she was like, no. She was like, I don't want to play a white person's character. I want to, I want, you know, people to write a Latina character. Right. And so I can play it. And then she got a backlash from that because they're like, oh, you're racist. You don't want And she was like, she had to go on Twitter and clarify, like, no, I just don't think, you know, we should be like force casting us into roles whenever, you know, our people should be writing us our own stories. Right. That's the whole thing about like, you know, people say that like, you know, they don't really write you know, big movies to include like black stars. That's, you know, one of the reasons why black Panther did like it did was because everybody was, you know, like excited to see a cast that was, you know, basically all black aside from like Martin Freeman. And then you had, uh, Kugler as the director who is a black director. And everybody was excited about that. Cause they're like, they're finally starting to write movies that include black people. And it's like, a lot of times what happens, especially like with these casting things is you, you see very quickly whenever people do casting that sometimes you write a role to have like a particular type of person in mind. And then you re and then when you see the auditions, you're like, 
well, shit, we're actually going to change that because we like that performance so good. The character is just that now. You know, it's like, it's like you know, the whole thing with, like, Nick Fury. It's like Nick Fury in the comics was a white dude. He was an old white dude. And then he, looked like, looked, he looked like George Clooney. In the he comics. looked kind of like George Clooney, right? That would have been a good idea for Fury if they had gone by the comics, but they got Samuel L. Jackson. And then they changed the comics. And then they changed the comics because they're like, Samuel L. does such a good job as Nick Fury. That's how he's depicted now. Nick because, Fury is considered a black man now. Because you know <laughs> what can happen in the comics? Shit changes in comics. Just like there's been multiple versions of Captain America. They started with Steve Rogers, which has to be somebody like Chris Evans. But if Sam Wilson ended up becoming Captain America afterwards, or Bucky does, that's great. Because that also happens in the comics. Yeah. And I would love to see Sam Wilson as the Cap. That would be awesome. Anthony, hey, the more Anthony, Anthony Mackie, the better. Yeah. I mean, the guy is great. He has amazing charisma. I mean, the dude's awesome. And, you know, um, Denia Guerrera, I mean, she's amazing. She's actually on the poster of Endgame, so she's actually going to be in it, even though we didn't see her in the trailer. Yeah, did you see the, the thing about that? They they put her on the poster, like, physically. You see a Koye. Yeah, yeah, she's in the poster, on the sign. But they did not put her as one of the actors in the billing across the top. They left her name off, and people were like, "So the only black woman that you feature on your poster, it does not get like a, a, a credit billing on the top of the poster." And that's a little nitpicky because so they there's only so many names. Everybody bombarded Marvel Studios about that, so they were like, "Our bad. Here's the corrected poster," and then they basically just kind of rearranged the names and threw Denai Guerrero on there, and it's like, it's like okay. It, I mean, yeah, but it does she's, look not, weird. she's not going to be a main character, though. But everybody was like, so you, so everybody else in the poster gets a billing across the top except for Denai Guerrero. And everybody was like, oh, because it's the only black woman, right? And it's like, I don't think that Marvel looks at it like that because Don Cheadle's, you know, he's War Machine. You know, and he his got name was on the poster. His name was on the poster. It could be that, you know, maybe they just forgot to add his name on there. She might Denai's be in fucking ten minutes of this movie. And that might be and one her of the name is going to be on the poster. They didn't want to have her build on there, but they were like, but yet they wanted to put Bradley Cooper on there as Rocket, even though he's like a CG character. And it's like, yeah, but but Rocket, Rocket might is be in a lot more of the movie than Okoye is, you know. And it's Bradley fucking Cooper. He could have legit directed this fucking movie. They I mean, <laughs> but that's the thing. I, it's just like kind of going back to like the and stuff. She's she's one of my 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 favorite actresses uh, because the only reason like I even watched as much as Walking Dead as I did because it's a really depressing show is because of her. Right. But you know, going back to like the the Lebowski stuff, like people thinking that the the dude is is bland and he's like this you know this hippie or whatever it's like he's not gonna have the same kind of like presence that say like walter does but i think that's one of the reasons why dude works as a character is because he is totally different from walter he gives you a different kind of energy than walter does but to say that he's like bland it's like i don't think he's bland he definitely has like his own like hearing him try to talk through some of these situations is hilarious because a lot of times he has no fucking clue what he's talking about. He's just kind of talking out of his own ass, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, <laughs> but then also it's just like, he's just, he's, 
I think one of the reasons why people like him is because he is like he's sort of like sneaky funny. A lot of his lines kind of fly under the radar until you go back and you watch him again. You're like, oh shit, I forgot he said that line. You know, like that kind of stuff. I, I think that I think his performance as the dude is kind of underrated sometimes. That people maybe right. don't understand the layers of complexity he's putting into this, but. The one thing at the end where it says he's just another terrible actor riding his parents' coattails. Is there something about the Bridges family that I'm not understanding there? Like, do are, like, his, are his parents, like, really big into Hollywood? I don't know if I know his parents that well. Like, the Bridges family, are they, like, you know, super popular? <laughs> and that's why, like, I don't understand. I don't know why they wrote that unless, I mean, is there something to the Bridges family that I'm not aware of? <laughs> uh, that is actually a really good question. Um, Cause otherwise they're talking out of their ass and they're just making shit up about Jeff Bridges only being in Hollywood because of his parents. And it's like, that's, I don't even know if that's true at all. That doesn't seem like it is. Okay. So, um Yeah, his dad was an actor. Lloyd Bridges. Okay. Uh he was in let's see. I've never heard of any of these movies. What what generation was that? Was that like the 50s, 60s or something or Well, his dad was born in 1913. Okay. So, his years active would have been, like, 1936 to 1998. Oh, okay. So, let me see if I can get a movie reference from the late 90s. Um, Something we might have seen. (laughs) Hot Shots Part (laughs) 2. He was Tug Benson. Okay. Um... Honey, I Blew Up the Kids is Clifford Sterling. Hot Shots, part one. So uh, Joe versus the Volcano. Cousins. Okay. Um, so they're saying that Jeff Bridges got into the business because his dad was an actor and he's just riding his dad's coattails. Because his dad was an airplane in Airplane 2? Right. <laughs> Does uh, anybody remember Airplane 2? I don't remember Airplane 2. Remember the original one? Uh, the original Death Race movie this guy was in. Um, wasn't it? Wasn't it Christopherson that did the original Death Race? Was it Chris Christopherson? I forgot. I think so. Um, yeah, I want to say that it was Christopherson. But like, I might be wrong. This is just uh, like his mom was Dorothy Bridges. What did she do? Um, she did nothing. So her, his dad was an actor. So, so they're saying that Bridges got into acting. The only reason he's acting is because his dad was into acting and they're like, we'll put my son in stuff. It's like, you can't watch this and be like, this guy got this role because of his dad. He's a legit good actor. Jeff Bridges is. It's like Jeff Bridges, you're only successful because your brother, Bo Bridges, (laughs) which would be a ridiculous statement. Yeah, that's a ridiculous statement. And Bo Bridges is great. I do like Bo Bridges, but Jeff Bridges is far superior than his father or his brother. Right. So that's invalid. Yeah. I, that, yeah. So basically, I mean, they literally you, said nothing in that. If you're like, if you're like, he can't do comedy. His dad was an airplane. I mean, 
he knows nothing about comedy. It's like, that's probably one of the funniest movies ever made. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, going on that whole thing, it's like a lot of people always want to take actors and they want to put them into, a, like, a nice, tidy little box, you know. Uh, Jim Carrey is a comedic actor. Well, what about Truman Show and Number 23? John, okay, well, John he's, C. Riley. He's still a comedic actor. And it's like, no, he's an actor that can do comedy, that can do drama. John C. Riley. You just name dropped John yeah, C. Riley. Yeah, Jeff Bridges is like a John C. Riley type. He can do comedy. John C. Riley was in fucking Gangs of New York. Right. Nothing funny happened in that movie. But he's also in Step Brothers. He's also in Step Brothers. He's also so, Dewey Cox. Yeah, there's so. there's this stuff that happens in Hollywood. It's called acting, and some people can do a little bit of everything. Jeff Bridges is one of those people. So is John Goodman. Yeah, John Goodman does like really good dramatic roles, but he's also hilarious yeah. when he does comedy. It's the same thing with like somebody like Brad Pitt. He can yeah. do it too. Um. You know, he can do, like, an action movie one day. He can do a drama. He can do a comedy. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. It's called acting, people. Yeah. Um, if you're a good actor, you Arnold can do Arnold Schwarzenegger, which plenty of muscle men try to duplicate Arnold Schwarzenegger. A lot of people try to be like, well, Arnold can't really act. And it's like, oh, really? What muscle-bound actor can you name that's had a more successful career than Arnold Schwarzenegger? I, I mean, the only one you could maybe put up there is Stallone. Stallone. But it says Stallone, but Stallone has can't many really hits. do comedy though. Not really comedy. I mean, because he's more of like an action. Because or Vin drama. Diesel's tried to do the same stuff that Arnold did. The Rock. He can't. The Rock's tried to do it. He can't. Even though The Rock. The is, Rock is probably the closest we have to Arnold of, of our generation. But he's failed way more than Arnold would have. Yeah. You know, like he, his, his he's doing like Tooth Fairy stuff and all this stuff. Like no one liked any of that. Yeah. No, Central Intelligence was was pretty funny. Him it is Kevin pretty Hart. funny. That one was pretty good. I'll give. And I'd have to movie. give The Rock that credit because Kevin Hart, for the most part, isn't really a very funny person. <laughs> he's he's kind of like one of those overly top, trying to be comedic person. Like he tried to use his his height a lot in movies as a joke and even in a stand-up he does that's not yeah. really funny it's like when you have it'd like, be like danny devito being in shows and always mentioning his height right like that's the crazy thing about danny devito like he never literally ever mentions his height in no uh -uh. his characters aren't based on he's that. just legit natural funny without making you know like you know, you watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia and stuff like that. He's, he's one of the just, reasons I watch that show. Cause he's just legit straight up funny. Right. Danny DeVito is one of the reasons that I watch that show. And then Rob McElhenney, the guy that created the show. Um, that plays uh, Mac. Mac. Uh, it's kind of funny because, like, he gained the weight in one of the seasons because he always thought it was funny how, like, everybody in shows, even if they're, like, a mailman or something, are, like, they look like fucking models or something because they're all working out and stuff. So he's like, I want to get fat. So that it looks realistic. Because we're all pieces of shit in this show. Right. And we all shouldn't look like fucking models. Right. <laughs> and it's like, no one else wanted to do it. Like, you know, he was like the, you know, uh, no one else, like Charlie Day or, you know. Um, the dude who plays Dennis, what's his name? Glenn. Um, Glenn Howarden. Glenn Howarden. Uh, or, um. Uh, uh, there's the girl who plays D. Uh, 
Shit, I forgot her name, but she's Shit. she's married to to Rob McEnany. Rob McEnany, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like I wanted us all to go, gain like fifty pounds, and it's like everyone was like, "No, fuck that, we're not doing that. That's unhealthy. We only have three months to start shooting this shit." And right. Yeah. And he was like, Danny DeVito was like, "I'll do it," and he was like, "No, no, you're the one that actually should probably fucking lose fifty pounds. Right. <laughs> You'll fucking die if you gain fifty pounds. You're over seventy, dude. Don't push it." <laughs> and DeVito's like, "Well, what the fuck ever. <laughs> I would have done it." But McElhaney, he so would have. And then they're like, "Well, you're just gonna shoot the idea down in the back." And he's like, "No, I'm, I'm gonna fucking do it anyway. I don't care if anybody else wants to do it or not." Right. Uh, and he went ahead and gained fifty pounds, and a lot of a lot of that was eating cottage cheese, like at night. Oh, really? Because he said he couldn't gain it. He was trying to gain it by just eating and trying to not have a heart attack because he had to talk to his doctor, and then he found out that cottage cheese doesn't metabolize very fast so he just started eating it at night like around midnight and stuff and sleeping on it and then he gained all the weight oh in three months okay because i love cottage cheese so that's a good idea to not eat it at midnight that's good okay yeah if you if you eat it and sleep on it it metabolizes very very slow oh okay that's how he said he gained 50 pounds and like uh, actually the first month he didn't gain any weight even though he was trying to eat and so he gained 50 pounds in two months damn just eating like cottage cheese and sleeping on it. Oh wow, that's intense. Yeah, so it's not really great for you. It doesn't metabolize very fast. Right. Okay. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> Health advice by Stephen. By Rob McElhenney. I can't take credit for that. I just listened to fucking Dax Shepard's podcast. Yeah, Steve listens to podcasts all day at work. Yeah. So Dax why. is very informative about that type of stuff, and he's an armchair expert. If you guys want to listen to it, I'll suggest uh, it out there. All right. Um. So. Uh, we'll go over this section, then we'll take like another break and finish up. But uh, so this next part, people, it always amazes me when I go in to look at comments about something, and people don't fucking understand the story, or they think the story is too complicated. It's like story for this is not really complicated, but for some people, they don't fucking get it. So I'll go. Tommy, get the tech hammer ready. Tommy, get the tech hammer ready. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so, um, so it says the, the plot winds into so many different twists and turns and includes so many supporting characters, all of whom seek the dude, the dude's bag of money. It's not a bag of money. It's a briefcase, but yeah, anyway, no one does bags. Yeah. Who does like a bag? What is like some 1930, like fucking robbery film? with like a big fucking money symbol Give me a it? bag of money. You you say, like, Give me the money. See, <laughs> or I'm going to, I'm going to shoot you up with my Tommy gun. With my Tommy gun. Yes. See, you're right. <laughs> Like, what are we in the fucking 1940s? What the fuck is this? The 30s? This is a James Dean movie. Do they think James Dean was in this movie? <laughs> but anyway, it says uh, that trying to understand this movie is uh, uh, like trying to untangle the Gordian knot by hand. What's the point of uh, placing layer upon layer upon layer of weird, uninteresting characters to the point where that you forget what the hell the movie's about? Nihilist German rockers? Some sicko Hugh Hefner clone? A gorgeous yet incomprehensible avant-garde artist who wants to have the dude's baby. A strange drugstore cowboy who serves as some sort of Greek chorus. Stop it. Pee-wee's Big Adventure had an array of weird characters, but it succeeded because it has straightforward plot and brilliant acting and writing. The, 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 the Coen's monstrosity has little wit or signs of superb comic writing, 
and all of their characters, though weird, are totally boring and flavorless. For weird characters to work, they must act totally off the wall and twisted beyond realism. The weirdos in Lebowski are actually regular and seem like a mishmash of all-too-real rejects from a yuppie coffee bar. I was literally bored to death, but went on expecting something at the end due to its rating. But the uh, the, the rating on IMDb, by the way. Uh, but the ending was something far worse than I thought. Well, it was nothing. I, I only understood it was the end when the credits came up. This movie is the worst crap ever. The summary of this movie. They put dis, like D-I-S. The, the summary, summary of this movie, movie will be a weakest plot, worst acting ever, and no proper ending. That's one thing I found about this about this when I was doing the notes is that people, when they were watching this, they were like, wait, what's the fucking ending? And it's like, it just ends. They, 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 they basically like Walter fucks up and fucking throws Donnie's ashes all over the fucking of the wind. And then it hits dude and he's got Donnie's ashes covered in him. Then they just kind of fuck off and go bowling. And that's it. That's how the story that's ends. That's the movie. There's, there's nothing else that happens. The dude just kind of goes on with his life after all that bullshit. And him and Walter just kind of go on and do their thing. The story's Donnie. over. I mean... The story's over. People were like, well, that's the ending? That's pretty weak sauce. It's like Ferris Bueller. Yeah. It's Ferris like, Bueller just kind of It's over. Ends. Yeah, go. Go home. Right. <laughs> that's kind of how this ends. Like, because it kind of leaves you like, oh, are we going to see the bowling tournament? It's like, that that hasn't had anything to do with this movie the whole time. That's been like a sub, that's been like a side plot, but that's not important. No, it's you not. Don't actually want, do you actually want to see the bowling tournament? No, if you want to see a great bowling movie, watch the one with Woody Harrelson and... Uh, Kingpin? Kingpin. Yes. Watch that one. That's the one you watch if you want a good bowling movie. Right. This isn't a bowling movie. This is a dude movie. Yeah, this is a movie about some characters that get themselves into some shit, and then bowling is just kind of like the thing that they go to do when they're trying to work out their problems. Because a lot of times the plot is advanced while they're bowling, mm-hmm. because they'll be talking about stuff, and then you know Donnie will say something and shut the fuck up, Donnie. You shut know. the fuck up, Donnie. Yeah. <laughs> but a lot of times the plot really happens, like the their ideas of what they're gonna do happens when they're bowling yeah well except for the dude because the dude actually doesn't bowl in the movie which is it's weird. a conversational piece yeah you know if you want to compare it to anything i guess you could compare it to reservoir dogs yeah i guess so but it's a continual scene instead of just one right yeah because like the, the diner scene the diner scene when they're all getting it's kind of like every scene that they're in the bowling scene yeah it's like they go back to bowl again and then they're they're talking over some stuff more you know it's like, they're going to kill that poor woman, man. It's like, they're going to kill that poor woman. <laughs> yeah, they're going to kill that poor, poor woman. woman. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And he, you, know. you know who else almost played Bunny? Oh, Bunny Lebowski? Uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, Do you want to have a couple guesses? Oof. Okay, so this is like 98. So I would say like, okay, Alicia Silverstone. as kind of like your stereotypical blonde, I guess. No, that's a maybe, that's a great idea. Maybe Cameron. I would have liked to see her in that bikini. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, if it's a, I, now I'm just thinking of Alicia Silverstone in a bikini. My fucking mind went blank. Okay. Uh, Cameron Diaz. That is a great idea. Okay. Also, amazing in a bikini. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of who else could have done this at this time. Uh, shit, I don't know. I'm out of ideas. Maybe Jennifer Aniston. 
Because she was doing Friends still. She could have done it at any time. But yeah. Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron. Ooh. Yeah. So, wow. Damn. That would have been uh, <laughs> in those days. But we all the, know. The, main th- the thing about that, though, is that like she would almost be like... Bunny seems like the like Tara Reed for some reason seems like that makes sense. Yeah, I'm saying I'm I'm saying Charlie's Theron almost would make that look unrealistic. Yeah, like maybe because maybe, of how I hot she is. Yeah, and Tara Reed is super hot, and uh, she's just she's super believable in that role. I don't yes. know if anyone else. I, that I, we I named. really believe her as like this like teenage girl that's just kind of like fuck it. I, I'm just gonna go hang out with this rich guy, get his money. I'm yeah. gonna fuck around with like you know all these different people and get in all these. She's like she's like the bad egg. She's kind of like the Lindsay Lohan of the movie. Yeah, de- definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. Lohan, get your shit together. Seriously. Get your shit together, Lohan. <laughs> we don't want to make fun of you. This hurts us every time we have to do it. You're killing us, Lohan. You're, You're killing, killing us. us. <laughs> Just get your life together. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> and that is. The, the segment advice of Shia LaBeouf. Right, yeah, exactly. The legendary inspirational speaker, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Do it! Do it! <laughs> um, or, like, the, remember that song that somebody made? It was called Actual Cannibal Shia, Bala- Shia LaBeouf. Yes. Right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, but, it, you know, as far as, like, you know, people saying that, like, there's all kinds of these weird things because you have the whole subplot with Maud and, like, she's, like, She's a feminist, but she's, like, really into sex and stuff like that. And then you have, like, the, the, the German rocker dudes. And, like, the one dude was also involved in the porno. And, like, that kind of stuff. But I and, do I do agree with Mod's like, take on feminism almost. Because, you know, actually, that actually is real feminism. Like, the most people think that feminists don't like sex. But they like sex as, you know, much as anyone else i mean that yeah. is feminist you know yeah they just don't make it where you know women are the weakest person in the act of sex right yeah it's it's meant to be where it's equal it's a shared they're not, they're not subservient or submissive to the man yeah which is something that seems that that's weird that has to be defined in feminism you right. know if, if you know what i mean like like it's just like a weird thing where you're just kind of like yeah you, you know a feminist they they like like sex to be like an equal thing how fucked up is that it's like no that's that seems seems pretty normal <laughs> seems like that's how i've been doing it the whole that like how, how have you been having yeah sex <laughs> you, just, you just get what you want and you don't give a shit what the lady wants it's yeah. like Okay, that's like that's why like, your relationships fail. <laughs> yeah, it's like how have you been doing this the whole time? Right. <laughs> it seems like that's just not. I don't know. It seems very weird. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, but that's the thing. It's like I think that's one of the uh, things about this movie is that it the weird collection of characters I think is what makes this movie stand out from even like characters like like the the Jesus right like who's the he's Jesus. a sex offender. 
But like he's like the weird dude that would like lick his bowling ball before he throws it because he's just he's just that over the top. He should definitely be in prison. Right? Yeah, that dude's <laughs> probably like he he's probably like got all kinds of shit he could go to jail for. Mm-hmm. But you know, then you have you know Walter who is you know he's the Vietnam guy that really never left the jungle behind. Everything always relates back to Nam. He even brings it up in conversations when it's really not needed. I mean, what does what does that have to it's do? Like Vietnam doesn't fucking have anything have to, do to do with, with this, this man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Leave me the and, fuck uh, alone, man. And, right. <laughs> and then even like when he's when he's doing the like, eulogy for Donnie, when he, and he's they're about ready to scatter his ashes. He was like, before we you know give you to the bosom of the Pacific Ocean. You know, we like to remember how, you know, Donnie lost his life at a young age, like other young men who lost their lives in Nam. And you just see dudes over there just kind of like, oh, fuck, Walter, what are you doing, man? Like, you're taking, like, this moment with Donnie. This is our last moment with Donnie. We're He's fucking like, scattering. what has Donnie got to do with Nam, man? man? It's like, what does Nam have to do with any of this, man? You know? I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, and then, dude. Yeah. And then he's, like, he's hug, got, got Donnie's ashes all over him. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, dude. He's like trying to like, you know, scrape it off of him and stuff. And then uh, he was just like, he was like, let's go bowling. And it's just like, he's just like, fuck, man. You just ruined the whole moment. It, but it's like the the weird characters are what makes this. Even like, you know, characters like, like Rich Lebowski, the big Lebowski. He's the big Lebowski. The big Lebowski. And then a Brant who fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, rest in peace, Philip. But, you know, it's like when you see him in a role like this, you're like, oh, fuck, that's Philip Seymour Hoffman. Like, and he still kills it in every fucking scene he's, he's in. And he's awesome in every he is scene. He's fucking slaughtering it. In like, it's just scene. his facial expressions and the way he plays Brant as a character. God damn, it's, he's just so good. From he's the so beginning. good at what he does, yes. But, but Maud is definitely one of my favorite characters, Walter. Yes. Like, I guess Julian Moore and John Goodman is really hard just not to love those people whenever they're in their scenes and you know jeff bridges as the dude philip seymour Hoffman. i just don't see how you even hate this movie but people do and that's why this show exists and it's just it's just crazy to think it though right and there are bad movies with good actors in it there's multiple bad movies with them but usually that has more to do with the directing or if it's just like kind of like a quick little money grab or something which this wasn't $15 million production movie. It's the Coen brothers. And whenever you have the Coen brothers involved in a movie, you always know it's not just some cheap-ass money grab. It's them trying to say, hey, we have a great idea. We're going to make this. Yeah, even if we have to do it on the cheap. Yeah, yeah. and this this movie looks... This $15 million movie looks like it's like a $60 million movie today still. like I mean, we were watching it down here in my garage on my projector and we were like we were sitting in the fucking theaters yeah you know it was it was amazing like it looked great from start to finish like, it's, it's a movie that like even though it, it takes place in the early 90s it still holds up really well even now yeah if you remade this and movie this is today, over 20 years old yeah it's over 20 years old if you remade this movie today with other people i don't know if it'd look any better no i mean you really can't improve too much on this because <laughs> There's really no stunts in this. And who the fuck would you get to play Walter or the dude? It'd really be career suicide if they're like, hey, I want to remake The Big Lebowski. It's like, okay, well, you won't have a job in a couple years mm. because this is not a movie that can be remade right now. No. This is a, this is just like a fucking movie that could be re- remade in like 
2050 or something. If then, even. I if don't then, know if it's like, can. hey, look, th- just watch this. This is Jeff Bridges and John Goodman and Jillian Moore. Who the fuck are you going to cast to do this? Right, yeah. Like, we're usually pretty good at throwing out some casting shit whenever we're talking about a movie. But who do you but, get to replace John Goodman? Yeah, but, yeah, how, how do you even how do How do you that? replace Julianne Moore? You maybe get Bryce Dallas Howard? She could maybe be Maude Lebowski? She could look maybe. like Maude Lebowski, and I, I would love to see her naked. Right. In, in this movie, but I just don't think you can do, redo But how the do you cast. recast the dude? Who do you get to be the dude? Like, who? Seth Rogen? No, you yeah, can't do be horrible. Jeff, you can't do what Jeff Bridges does. <laughs> exactly, that's my point. He just can't do it. Like the only person, like modern day, that could do what the dude does is maybe James Franco, but I don't think he would even take it because out of respect, he'd be like, "Dude, he, I can't he, follow." He's he's too. Uh, Franco is too uh, into like traditional actors and stuff like that. I don't think he would ever. He just would take like, it as a disrespect to Bridges. Yeah, they'd be like, "Hey, you want to replace the Bridges as the dude?" James Franco would be like, "Like legit, dude. Fuck, go fuck yourself." Yeah, <laughs> you can go sit on that and spin. Yeah, go fuck yourself. That's Are you happening. asking me do I want to play the dude's son? No, no, we're gonna remake it. Okay, then no, no. <laughs> if we're doing a Lebowski two, and I'm like, you know, Maude and and, and Jeff, Jeff Bridges' Lebowski son? son. Okay, okay, maybe we'll talk about. I, it. I, I want to see where you were gonna go with that, because <laughs> that would be interesting. But, uh, but yeah, we'll go ahead and we'll take a break here, and then we'll uh, we'll finish up with the last comment and any remaining notes you have left. <laughs> I have a few, so okay, it's gonna be fun. Yes. And we're back. Yeah, so I think that uh, like this movie, you you mentioned it earlier that it's got uh, a very high frequency of the F word being used. Yes, Um, something among the uh, 147 times. uh, In well. Maybe I should do my comment because they they probably over-exaggerated this, but it says, uh, I had heard for years that this was a great movie, a piece of film art from the Coen brothers. So much for my curiosity. If you like your movies PG like I do, this is a movie to avoid at all costs. The main character is a disgusting slob with no redeeming qualities, and the F word is used 260 times in 117 minutes. Actually, it's uh, a... 
292 times. 292 times. Yeah. In my notes is 292. Not okay. That guy miscounted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the movie is vulgar and pointless. I give it one star on IMDb only because I can't give it a zero stars. My main problem with this movie is the dialogue. It is laced with so many swear words, yet this doesn't give the dialogue any additional kick. I have nothing against swearing in movies as long as it accomplishes something. The fact that nihilists feature prominently in this movie makes sense since the whole movie is pretty meaningless. <laughs> okay, I mean... So, this person uh, is one of those people that feel like every movie that's ever made has to have... PG rating, I guess. PG rating and a what a like a influential point at the end. I some things are just built to entertain. Some things are built to entertain and maybe give you a different outlook on life or a moral to the story. There, what? there isn't really like a moral to this story necessarily. The only thing that you can come close to like a moral of the story or a point is that sometimes. Don't piss on the dude's rug. Don't piss on the dude's rug. That's first. The, because it tied the room together. It tied the room together. But Don't piss on the Second of all, rug. it's like, even when like Walter snaps at Donnie, he's like, Donnie, you're out of your element. You know, it's like, dude is out of his element. He doesn't know how to deal with rich people and fucking ransom notes and, you know, like exchanging money for, uh, you know, a, for a ransom and all this kind of shit. This is not shit that he knows how to do. Yeah. He's a fucking hippie, man. Like he's not, you know, he, he's just a peaceful dude. He's just a peaceful, bowl, he's just a peaceful dude trying to bowl and live in his crappy little house or his apartment or whatever, you know? And it's like, you, you get a feeling when you watch this, that it's like, this, this is, this does, this is very much kind of like several days in one guy's life. But when you when you say that like I want the movie to be PG and I don't want it to have this level of swearing, unfortunately, in reality, there are people that are like this. We use the F word frequently. We've used it plenty in this show. Wouldn't listen to this show. Referencing stuff in this movie, and then we just talk like this normally. Now, when you have your boys around, mm-hmm. I don't just drop the F word every every like fifteen seconds. No, I try to. If I'm going to cuss, I try to do it not in front of like little kids, you know. Right, right. We're not in front of little kids right now. We're in a we're in a fucking we're in Steve's garage, so the F word can be free as the American flag right now. Yeah, you can you <laughs> can use it however you want it in here. Just like, I mean, if you know a movie's rated R and you don't like cussing, don't watch that movie. This is a pretty simple solution to this guy's bitch mode oh i don't like any movie outside of pg well guess what guess guess what then fucking watch what year was this 98 then watch fucking you know et and fucking (laughs) you know homeward bound homeward bound and shit (laughs) and leave shit like the big lebowski alone which is clearly a fucking r-rated film it has an r rating on the poster yeah. And there's another thing. If you are a fan of reading and you understand the English language, you can read on the poster and it says uh, severe pervasive language throughout. 
Yeah. Which, which means, means that there's going to be a lot of cussing in this movie. And if you're sensitive to those words, don't watch this movie. You. Yeah, exactly. That's a pretty simple solution. This movie wasn't made for this guy because he is dead. I don't know. I don't Um, know. I don't have, I don't uh, have like when this comment was made. Some of these were from like around like 2002, 2003. So I'm going to say 1931. (laughs) Uh, People cuss in movies, especially a movie about a stoner who doesn't know when to stop. Yeah. Uh, which is basically what this movie is about. It's kind of dude, where's my car um, <laughs> type yeah. thing. Um, so this guy, and we get this a lot where it's like literally the people, the people's complaint is they watched the wrong movie. Like they watched a movie that they knew they wouldn't like before they watched it. And then they got mad when they didn't like it. And then they posted online and messed up reviews and then probably had people that did like it the first time start writing that read that and it's like oh maybe i didn't like it and then they started writing stuff and then it got contagious but don't think yeah it, it is it's a group think thing so oh if if a number of people start writing negative things more people are going to write negative things same way with the you know people writing good things then more people should write good things. We need to spread that. So the way we can spread that is people stop writing bad things the first time you see something. They'll be like, I'm going to write this. And it's like, no, 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 no. You watched a movie that has nothing to do with what you enjoy. So why did you watch it in the first place? So like, okay, so let, let's do like a little exercise here. Yes. What's a type of movie that you will not just watch on your own. You would go out of your way to watch. Is there a specific like genre of movie that you just won't watch? A horror, pretty much. I just don't really watch horror movies. I'm kind of like that too. There are like I will watch like the Hellraiser, like the the first few Hellraiser movies. I can go back and I can watch stuff like that. But I'm not a big horror person. I don't watch that type of stuff. I like thrillers, but I don't yeah. like horrors. Yeah. Like movies where it's like a psychological thriller or something mm-hmm. like that, that's way more interesting to me than just like the Saw movies that's just blood and gore. That's that doesn't do anything. Like to something me. like Kiss the Girls or uh, Frailty or something like that. I enjoy oh, Frailty. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frailty's a great movie. That's a fucking great movie. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Frailty, go out and go onto like iTunes or whatever and fucking buy that movie. Yeah, McConaughey shows out in that movie. Yeah, like he is amazing in that. And that movie, movie is. And Bill old. Paxton, Bill Paxton, yeah. rest in peace. Bill Paxton yes. is the the dad in that movie, and he is awesome as yeah. fuck in that movie. Well, even like, even the movie like Signs, that's Signs, like a thriller. yeah, that's yeah. a thriller movie. I enjoy thriller movies. I don't drill horror. I don't. I don't enjoy horrors because I don't believe them. Right. Like it, it's just it. It's hard to convince me that that is horrifying. Like I, I just can't be suspended, but that's my thing. A lot of people do get suspended in that and get terrified. There's people that love horror movies, you know, and I don't go on. You can't find a comment of me going on Amazon or IMDb or rotten tomatoes and be like, fuck this movie. That's not my type of movie. I'm not going to comment on that. Cause that is not my genre. Cause you know that you're not really going to be into that. Yeah. That is not my taste in movies. Right. So I will not comment on it because I don't know shit about it. Right. I'm not going to diss Saul. People like that gory murder stuff. 
I'm not really into it. But if you want, you know, like gory wise, like Saving Private Ryan or something like that, you know, I'd be one of those people like, I dare you to say some negative shit about that. That shit is great. But some people might not be into war movies. Yeah. But those people, I just hope that aren't into war movies, just don't go into Saving Private Ryan and then just be like, I don't like war, war movies. This is a little gory. Fuck this movie. It's like, no, 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 no. This, that's like, like in the case of like Saving Private Ryan, for example, you know, going into it, the movie is about them storming the beaches at Normandy and it's it, amazing. It, it takes place, you know, it's in world war two war is not something that's pretty and war movies. Typically, if you do it the right way, it, it is meant to, to me, that is almost like a true horror movie because this shit happened in real life. Yeah. Yeah. This is actually had like, there's that moment where, uh, at the end of that movie, if you don't get at least a little misty eyed or you cry at the end of saving private Ryan, you're probably not human right? because he literally, he goes back to the grave of, uh, Tom Hanks's character. I forgot his name in the movie. Me too. He goes back to his grave. He's an old man. Like Ryan gets back and he is, uh, or, you know, private Ryan, he, he gets saved during that movie and he gets brought back and everything and he goes to visit his grave when he's an old man and you know that um tom hanks's character has already died and they've they've buried him at arlington cemetery right right they bury him in arlington he literally goes back to arlington cemetery and he's basically standing in front of the man's grave that basically risked his own life and took his men out there to save him so that he could come back to his family and he's dead and he's just bawling. He's fucking crying because he realizes how much of a sacrifice, you know, he made for him. Right. And it's it's one of those things where it's like if you if you go into like a war movie and it's like something like a full metal jacket. Full metal jacket for some people is too much because from Arlie Army, the drill instructor who, you know, he calls the one dude a faggot. He, he basically he. Um, he basically makes Gomer like suicidal. Like he's a drill sergeant in real life too. Yeah. He was an actual drill sergeant in real life. Now I don't know if he was as intense. He wasn't like that though. I don't think he was that intense when he was actually, because this version Kubrick's version in full metal jacket is supposed to be the kind of guy that, that turns these men into like twisted fucks. Like he fucks with them mentally. It's kind of like Marine strategy where they yeah. kind of brainwash the Marines. It's kind of like, insanity. I'm going to break you in by, by fucking your world up. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to fuck with your mind and everything. And it's like, if you look at something like full metal jacket and if you've never seen that movie before and you have no clue what's going on, if when you see that, like when you see the, the drill sergeant scene with Arlie army, and you're like, okay, I don't know if I can handle this. This is a little bit much. Like, this dude is way over the top. It's okay to just turn the movie off and go do something else if it's not your thing. Yes. Like, I've seen maybe, like, th- one or two scenes of the Saw movies. And I saw enough to know that I didn't want to watch anymore. The The genre of movie that I typically don't like is musicals because I find them just stupid. I don't like musicals. I don't normally watch them. You know, I mean, with the exception of something like Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, because it's kind of a musical to a, to a degree. I can deal with that because it's it's the Tenacious D, <laughs> you know. But in terms of, like, something like Oklahoma, like a real, like, you know, full-on musical or, like, Cats or something, I can't just sit there and watch that shit because 
I don't like people jumping around and singing and shit just randomly. It just, it's weird to me. I don't like those kind of movies, but I know going in that I'm not going to like something like that. So I'm not going to sit there and force myself to watch something that I know I'm probably not going to be into. That's just wasting your time. And then you go on IMDb and complain further about how you didn't like this. And you've already explained it's not your type of movie. Then just don't watch it. <laughs> if you're going to, if you, we go to watch Big Lebowski and you can see on the poster that it has drug use, nudity, it has strong, pervasive language throughout. Then if you know that you don't like any of those things in a movie, you are more than welcome to get the fuck out and go watch something else. <laughs> yeah, the main point of our episode right now is to know what you like. And stop bashing movies that you know you're not like already, and then you watch it anyway. Yeah, it just stuff like that just kills me. It's like, please, if you're gonna go watch a movie, just watch the movie. Don't just sit there and complain about how it wasn't your type of movie. That's fine. Nobody's forcing you to watch it. Just stop. Yeah. You so, know? to end this episode, I'm gonna <sighs> name off a few facts. Give us a little cool down. Right. <laughs> Just These cool. episodes get intense toward the just, end because we have to get our points out. Just cool down, man. Yeah. Um. So, um, let's see. The 69-cent check the dude writes at Rouse for uh, half and half is dated September 11th, 1991, exactly 10 years before 9-11 attacks. While he's writing the check, President George H.W. Bush can be heard in the television Railing is against Saddam Hussein. So that's interesting. Yeah, that uh, is interesting <laughs> because uh, his son ended up dealing with Saddam too. Yeah. In the actual 9-11, you know. So, um... There's multiple actors that was in the Transformers movies. John Goodman, Steve Buscemi, and John Turturro. Um... Let's see. Um, yeah, John Goodman wore yellow uh, tinted shooting glasses for the film or whatever. Uh, Julian Moore and Flea appeared in Psycho in 1998, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that uh, Flea is one of the nihilists, one of uh, the Germans. Cynthia's dog actually isn't a Pomeranian. It's a terrier, uh, so they actually said that wrong. Okay. Now, was that a fuck-up in the writing, or is it that they're setting up that even Walter doesn't know what type of dog that is? Uh, yes. They're, yes. They're indicating that like he doesn't know what type of dog it is. He's yeah. just said it wrong. He's he just thought using it, it as an excuse to uh, watch um, his ex's dog. Right, yeah, okay. Uh, the gun Walter pulls in the bowling alley is a cult model 911 point uh 45 caliber semi-automatic handgun standard u.s military sidearm during the vietnam war so he's actually holding a vietnam sidearm for reals right yeah uh so that's that's pretty interesting does anybody here give a fuck about the rules Rules. (laughs) yeah and he has a gun in his hand that is pretty hilarious Uh, (laughs) over the line He did this because Smokey went over the line and he was like, Mark it zero. Mark uh, it zero. Oh, God. Uh, that that scene is pretty intense when he fucking pulls a gun on Smokey. Anyway, continue. 
Yeah, uh, due to the film's cult status among fans, the religion Judaism was created, which follows the philosophy of the lifestyle of the dude. Uh, we know that, but this is actually a legit religion. Yeah. Which is basically smoke weed and chill every day. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's, it's based heavily on the philosophy of Nate Dogg. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, God. That's awesome. Julian I think I've Moore. I've actually been to that website, too, if I'm not mistaken. I think I've actually done that before. Anyway. Julian Moore and Philip Seymour Hoffman appeared in Boogie Nights, Magnolia, The Hunger Games, Mocking Jay Part 1, and The Hunger Games, Mocking Jay Part 2. <laughs> Innocent Gun is a motherfucker. Innocent Gun. And we've also um, been drinking White Russians, too, so. In the bowling scene, when they are leaving the bowling alley to find the dude's car missing, you can clearly see Walter still wearing his bowling shoes. <laughs> oh, he forgot to, to turn them he back in? He forgot to take them off. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. I wonder if that was a goof or if that was like a John Goodman thing. Like, Walter would be so into what's going on that he would just forget him and, like, leave him on. That's also, yes, probably. Yeah. Uh, the Coen brothers shot thing. a lot of film with wide-angle lens because, according to Joel Cohen, it made it easier to hold focus for greater depth, and it made camera movements more dynamic. It did. Yeah. So. I could, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Unusual for, Ameri- uh, for an American movie, a bad guy wields a cricket bat rather than a baseball bat. It, that is That is weird. Yeah. Um, uh, novelist number one, Yuli Kernkel, Carl Hengus, Peter Stormeyer, uh, sits in the diner with a group of nihilists, and all of them order pancakes. His character in Fargo in 1996 was insistent on getting pancakes as well. Ah. So that was the little tie-in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Yeah. So I forgot about the pancakes thing, but that does make sense. Yes, that's why the pancakes thing was even in there because they were tying it back to Fargo. Yeah. Um. Let's see something else that's super relevant to this. Let's see. Uh, the dude meets a lot of new people throughout the story outside of his tribe, but only four: Brand, Jackie, Treehorn, the bartender, in the bowling alley, and the stranger. Show enough respect to him to call him dude. Oh, right, yeah. The dude. The uh, dude. The dude. His the dude. dudeness. The dudeness is here. You can call me El anything. Duderino. El Duderino. <laughs> okay, the Coen brothers were inspired by several sources and stories. Possibly the leading source was their friend Peter Exline, who coined the phrase, it really tied the room together to describe his own rods. Pete and his friend of his big Lou Abernathy, a private detective who the Coens didn't know, are considered to be the partial basis for the character Walter. Pete, a Vietnam and college professor, a Vietnam veteran and college professor, once jokingly tried to scare his students by exclaiming, First, Vietnam, now this, while hitting a chair similar to the way Walter. Uh, non-jokingly, inappropriately compares everything to Vietnam. <laughs> Pete also told the Coens about the story where his car was stolen and Abernathy helped him investigate. They found the homework of a 14-year-old and instead of telling the police, they put the homework in a plastic bag and drove out to the kid's home to confront him. 
Oh, wow. So that's taken directly from <laughs> Though, unlike the movie, the kid did not actually steal the car, and Abernathy did not end the confrontation by bashing a car outside the kid's house. You see what happens <laughs> when you fuck strangers in the ass, Larry? Another story related by Pete was the time that Abernathy was uh, arranged by the Santa Monica Sheriff, who, as in the movie, insulted him and told him to stay out of my beach community. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. So almost all of... that is is almost 100% real. Right. So the Big Lebowski is actually a true story. <laughs> it is now considered a true story. It's canon. Yeah. It is canon, and this really happened partially. Yeah, <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> and we hope you all enjoyed this movie and this episode. Like us. Uh, subscribe, leave us five star review if you enjoyed the show. Try some of our beers. Listen to FUCT News. Yeah, and we're on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. Yeah, and remember to be on the be beyond Everywhere. the hate and uh, tune into us. Uh, you know, next uh, Sunday, whenever everything will be posted. Uh, for the next episode, this Sunday for this episode. Yeah, basically every Sunday. Uh, just, you know, wake up and just go ahead and, uh, or just subscribe. That way it just comes easier to you and leave, you know, the appropriate reviews, which should always be five star. Right. Uh, <laughs> and this has been beyond the hate. Peace. Uh, peace.